Portland. Blazers Nation. This is Jack Winter, your Portland Trailblazers beat writer for Clutch Points, and you are listening to Talking Trailblazers. It is Thursday, July 7th, about an hour and a half before the Blazers tip off summer league play against the Detroit Pistons. We're obviously really looking forward to that, seeing what Shaden Sharp, Trendon Watford, Greg Brown III, Keon Johnson, some other young Blazers prospects can do. Um, But obviously what we are really going to focus on today in lieu of having summer league action to talk about is what the Blazers did over the last week or so, which is bring back Anthony Simons on a four-year $100 million deal, bring back Yusuf Nurkic on a four-year $70 million deal, uh, the specifics of which we are still learning about, and then sign Gary Payton II, young glove, bringing him back to Oregon State, back to the Pacific Northwest on a three-year $26.1 million deal with a player option on the final year. The Blazers roster finally, finally taking shape here. We have a at least a broad idea of what they will look like next season. So we're going to talk about all that and more this week on Talking Trailblazers with our only guest, our number one guest, Justice Rogers. We'll be right back after this break. Thanks for listening to Talking Trailblazers. (laughs) All right, we are back with Talking Trailblazers. This is Jack Winter, and on the line we have Justice Rogers back with us. Justice, how are we doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing there, Jack? I am doing great. Getting excited to uh, talk some Blazers, talk some NBA. Now that the roster is finally taking shape here, after you know, I feel like we've been talking for months about what this roster might look like, and you know, maybe it's not quite done being finalized. Joe Cronin kind of mentioned that today, uh, that despite the fact that you know the Blazers are kind of spent out, they've used uh, they've used all their all their cap, all their cap flexibilities, such that it were there obviously wasn't much. Um, but you know, Joe Cronin will still uh, he's still going to work the phones for trades and stuff like that, seeking one final roster upgrade. But come training camp, this is what the Blazers roster could look like. So I'm excited to uh, get talking about that and really just, I guess, just look ahead to what the league's going to be like next season. Uh, you know, after all this, I guess we still have one or two huge dominoes to fall with uh, KD and Kyrie Irving. But man, I'm excited just to just to get going again, even just less than three weeks after the finals ended. I definitely agree. It seems like things are finally starting to fall into place a little bit. They're uh, starting to become a little bit more concrete. And mm-hmm. like you said, it's really just KD and Kyrie as far as the big names go uh, left out there trying to see what's going to happen with them. Uh, but the Blazers seem to be starting to settle, start, starting to settle in uh, mm-hmm. with who they have now and uh, even their mo- most recent uh, additions there. Yeah, absolutely. And uh their most recent addition, I suppose, is Gary Payton II. But just before we get into him, we're going to talk about him at length. The Blazers did re-sign Yusuf Nurkic to a four-year $70 million deal and Anthony Simons in restricted free agency to a four-year $100 million deal. And that number for Simons is about what we had discussed on this show. Um, and it's just just less than what uh, than what Jalen Brunson ended up getting from the New York Knicks. Jordan Poole will probably get about that amount, $25 million a year. Hundred million dollars guaranteed over four, maybe a little more. He might, he'll probably get that from the Golden State Warriors. So I like that number for Ant. Maybe a little overpay for Nurk. Um, I'm not exactly sure who the Blazers were bidding against, but then you have to factor in that you know the cap is rising with a, with a massive new TV deal coming in soon. Uh, CBA negotiations will start here in earnest probably in the next year. So the cap will spike. So I think it's important to think about Nurk's uh, you know Nurk's Nurk's annual salary in that respect with a higher cap. But uh, if I if I have one criticism of those two moves. It's just probably that they overpaid a little bit for Nurk. But again, uh, neither of those moves is surprising. We've been talking about him for months here on the show. Absolutely. And yeah, I think we both kind of knew that this was going to happen. Uh, mm-hmm. At least we knew the Blazers needed to make this happen because of the success uh, that they did have with Ant last season and how 
he's kind of on his rise to stardom now at this point with uh, just how he played so great while Dame was out and even uh, as the Blazers were transitioning with uh, CJ going to New Orleans. Uh, but Nurk, what's funny is I see a lot of people saying that they think he's underpaid, uh, which I didn't expect. Oh. Right. I didn't expect to see that. Now, I don't know if the Compared if this is because what? Right. Right. Exactly. Wow. That That's what I was thinking. That He's getting paid a, a nice chunk of change there. And I think the Blazers did the right thing. They're obviously going to need uh, a presence down there in the post. Uh, we know he's not Rudy Gobert, but, you know, he gets the job done and, you know, has some years of experience uh, playing with Dame. Uh, so I think uh, those are both great moves that the Blazers made. And, you know, I think maybe the folks that are saying uh, Nurk is underpaid but probably uh, more loyal to fan bases like the New York Knicks and, you know, some other squads that uh, uh Sacramento Kings, you know, maybe some teams that aren't as successful as the Blazers have been somewhat in the last couple of years. Um, but, you know, my whole thing was whatever you got to do to keep Nurk around, you want to make it happen because we're going to need somebody down there um, to play the uh, the five. Absolutely. And, you know, Nurk's contract say he's overpaid by two or three million a year. I think Jonas Valanciunas, he's a you know, comparable player. They play different styles. Nurk's better defensively. Jonas is definitely better offensively. I think he got 231 last year. Evita Zubac just got 333. Um, I actually think Nurk is pretty comparable to Zubac in terms of overall quality. Blazers fans are probably scoffing uh, right now. Of course. You hear me say that, but I, I actually really like Zubac. So, uh, you know, again, Nurk, Nurk getting four for 70, um, you know, not a huge overpay. I don't think it's anything we need to focus uh, more on, especially because the big news is, the, is that the Blazers went out and got a perimeter stopper who they are bringing back to the Pacific Northwest. Gary Payton II is a trailblazer. Three years, $26.1 million for him with a player option on the final season of that contract. The Blazers are using almost the entirety of their non-taxpayer mid-level exception to sign Gary Payton II. Young glove. As he prefers, um, not not the mitten, which people were really pushing. At the beginning. I hated the mitten. No, oh, I hated that. <laughs> I know, I know, because ju- just because we don't need to diss Gary Payton the second like that, you know, by calling no. him the mitten, especially because you know, I would say based on what he did last season with Golden State, uh, he is damn near as good a defender as his father was. Uh, obviously, he's not the offensive player, um, but you know, we can we can get into all that. Just in general, justice. What do you think of the signing here of Gary Payton the second for Portland? Great move, great move. Uh, young glove, as it sounds like he's uh, starting to to be known as. Uh, I, he, he was great coming out of college to me. I thought he was slept on. I was kind of surprised the way he bounced around a little bit earlier in his career. Um, I think he had a great run with the Warriors, and you know now he's kind of getting his just due. I think after uh, the NBA Finals, you kind of saw a few players from that roster that you knew uh, were going to get paid for sure uh, going into this offseason. So uh, not only am I glad that he is getting paid, I'm glad he's getting paid with the Blazers. I think this will be a great fit for him. I think he'll mesh well with uh, the young guys on the squad, like the uh, the Anfernees and uh, even some of our guys from last year, and even Nurk. Um, I think he's gonna. That's gonna be a good ecosystem uh, for him to be in, and then of course, you know, staying on the West Coast. Um, you know, it's hard to hard to beat that, especially him being from uh, you know this area. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just real quick on GP2, just an incredible story. Uh, really, the type of guy you root for. Um, not you know, not just because he's Gary Payton's son, and you know, I, I happen to love Gary Payton. One of the first basketball games I, I ever watched was the uh, 1996 NBA Finals. You know, Bulls, Bulls, Sonics. I just have such fond memories of those teams and the Sonic teams in general. I just love Gary Payton. Mm-hmm. Um, but Gary Payton, you know, really bounced around, went undrafted, I believe, out of Oregon State in 2015. Bounced around for a few years on some training camp. Deal had some 10 days, had some guaranteed contracts, but was never a whole member of a rotation, was never in a team's plan, never quite had a home. And then going into last season, he just signed a training camp deal with Golden State because Golden State, uh, they just... They had, 15, they had 14 guaranteed contracts entering training camp, I believe, and then they wanted to do a competition in training camp for the last one. And Gary Payton went in battling with some other guys who you've heard of. But um, even before that, he had approached someone with the Warriors about getting a video coordinator job because he wasn't certain that he was going to win that final roster spot, let alone a year later sign a three-year $26.1 million deal. Um, so just an incredible story for Gary Payton. Second, I just love him as a player. Um as an elite perimeter defender, truly one of the most disruptors, disruptive defenders in the league, irrespective of position. He led the league in steals per 36 minutes and was top three in deflections. He really can check any guard in the NBA. We saw that uh, you know, we saw that in the Memphis series and against Memphis all year before he got injured uh, in that second round series, of course, with that elbow injury. But he was doing a really, really good job checking John Morant, really bothering John Morant. He's really one of the only guys in the NBA you'd think could actually stay in front of an electric ball handler like jaw um and then and then just in general off the ball he's an unbelievable defender golden state forced 3.7 percent more turnovers with peyton on the floor than when he was off that's from cleaning the glass and that was in in the 98th percentile in the league gary peyton the second if he had played let's say 30 minutes a game last season i think he would have had a first team all defense case Marcus Smart won Defensive Player of the Year, but on a per-minute basis, I think Gary Payton II is a better defender than Marcus Smart. That is just the quality of defender he is. Even if you think that's hyperbole, um, you know, <laughs> there, is no, there is no doubting that Gary Payton II is an elite defender. And based on uh, you know the Blazers' widespread deficiencies, widespread weaknesses on that end last season, then even in years prior, obviously their rosters changed a lot. Um, just just from that perspective, just from Gary Payton being a truly elite, versatile defender, you got to like this signing. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how much I agree about the uh, uh, the defensive side as far as, you know, him being compared to Marcus Smart. Well, but why, why not? Why not? Though? Why not? I, you know, I don't know. I mean, Marcus Smart is the defensive player of the year. That's the only thing I can well, really. <laughs> I, I mean. I get it. I'm just, I'm just I'm I'm trying to think of what Marcus Smart does better than Gary Payton the second on defense, and maybe he's a little stouter. Uh, if, if if you know those guys were going to be in the position where they were guarding a, a big five, like if if, if they got stuck guarding Nikola Jokic on a switch, for instance, I think you might feel more comfortable with Marcus Smart guarding Joker or Joel Embiid, of course, than you would Gary Payton. But Gary Payton is incredibly strong, six three, six ten wingspan, one of the best athletes in the league, so fast, so quick, an elite leaper, really quick twitch athlete. Um, incredible hands. Again, I, I'm just, I'm just not sure what Marcus Smart has on him, other than, other than maybe some strength. And I think that's more, um, 
you know, manifested in Marcus Smart's like comically low center of gravity. He's got such a thick waist. Um, and, you know, Gary, and Gary Payton certainly, uh, certainly no slouch in the strength department himself. So, so you disagree with me. That's fine. But I don't think you'll disagree that he's a, he's a great, great defender. No, no. Great defender. Uh, great pickup for the Blazers. I, like I said previously, I never understood why he was so slipped on uh, coming out of Oregon State. I just didn't understand that. I didn't know if it was the, um, you know, downside of being the son of a, you know, Hall of Famer mm-hmm. and such a great player and uh, and Gary Payton. But uh, no, this, this is going to, I feel like, turn out great for the Blazers. I think him along with Josh Hart. Um, and a few of the other guys as well, maybe even some of the summer league guys that are playing right now, uh, will mesh well with him, especially because of his age. Um, I'm thinking the more guys that we have playing together under 30 or, you know, maybe 27, 28 uh, on the squad will be good uh, because they'll have a lot in common. And uh, I think that'll make great chemistry uh, on the floor and off. Um, I think one thing that a lot of people saw, especially during the playoffs, is uh, Gary Payton II's uh, explosiveness. He can really jump. He has a lot of bounce. And I think that's going to come in handy uh, with him on the Blazers, especially when it comes to rebounding. Um, you know, keeping the crowd and the motor center into it. Uh, we definitely saw this past season how much that was kind of missed uh, with Dame not playing much and uh, CJ being gone. That, you know, there were some games, a few games that, uh, you know, wasn't a whole lot of excitement. <laughs> uh, of course, you know, Ants was able to uh, provide a lot of that uh, when he went on his uh, crazy streak. But I think he's going to uh, even possibly pose a you know alley-oop threat you know somebody that on the fast break or in transition uh just lob lob it up to gp2 and you know what's going in the rim so um no this is a great a great pick a great fit another one of those uh situations where you know a player that i'm sure they could have had much cheaper <laughs> previously yeah. uh but now now he's getting paid but i think he'll he'll fit well with the, their offense and like i said the main focus for me is that that group of young guys uh that are uh you know currently on the blazers roster i think that makes it even a better fit uh for gary payton the second now you said that they the blazers obviously could have gotten him for much much cheaper this time last year basically just a minimum or a training camp invite um, but one of the reasons why Gary Payton had that breakout season last year is because it's so much easier to play with Stephen Curry offensively and then even in the Warriors system defensively, especially for a guy like that who has really confined strengths and weaknesses, if you will. Like one of the reasons why he went undrafted and really never caught on before last year is because Gary Payton is 6'3 and he's just not a shooter. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like he, he shot really low volume from three last year. What we liked about uh, about him shooting the ball last year, he was just below 40% from both corners, but 62% of his threes came from the corners. He was not the type of guy who was going to shoot an above the break three unless he was absolutely left wide open. And he shot 31.1% um, from three above the break. So that's the biggest worry with Gary Payton is just the fact that he's not a shooter and teams will dare him to shoot. And you just wonder... Obviously, Chauncey Billups wants to implement a, and he, and he started, and as we've discussed, he started doing it more last season once the Blazers started tanking, uh, a really motion-based offense, one, one that relies on cuts, passes, getting the ball from side to side, creasing the paint, um, and you know, just getting, just getting into multiple actions on the same possession to really make the defense think and scramble and hopefully put two on the ball. You know Damian Lillard can obviously draw two on the ball um, in pick and roll. We know Anthony Simons can do the same just because of how elite they are as spot of shooters. But 
they do not draw the attention that Stephen Curry do- that Stephen Curry draws with, with with the ball or without the ball, but especially without the ball. Um, no one in league history has, and so that was just a perfect ecosystem for Gary Payton to thrive in offensively because the Warriors didn't need to worry about him being a non-shooter because because of the threat that Steph presents, that Jordan Poole presents, that Clay Thompson presents, um, and the Blazers have a reason, a, a somewhat reasonable facsimile of that, right? Again, with with Simons and Lillard, but man, it's just going to be a totally different offensive environment that Gary Payton plays in next season. And I just don't think, uh, you know, it's, I think it's naive to think that he's going to come to Portland and immediately experience the exact same amount of success offensively, offensively, um, you know, that he, that he did with Golden State, just because Steph Curry changes everything and that Warriors system is so ingrained and he was such a perfect fit for it. Absolutely. And I agree with you 100 percent on that. I don't think we can compare really any team uh, in the league to the Warriors at this point, just because uh, they're so dynamic when they play together. I heard it uh, this past week. uh, Somebody mentioned that the Warriors, all the players, they want to play together. They do have great chemistry. Um, They want to be together on the floor and they're almost seamless. Even when, you know, subs are made, the guys coming off the bench seem to just gel. Um, so, yeah, I think we are going to see a different uh, Gary Payton II on the Blazers. But, of course, I think he's still going to bring all those same skills um, and things that you just can't teach that he did bring to Golden State. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see him with Dame, who, of course, is another stellar uh, all-star and probably future Hall of Fame uh, point guard. Definitely. Um, it'll be interesting to see him in that way because, of course, we know Dame is a, uh, a three-point shooting threat. Um, different playing style than uh, Steph Curry, but of course we know uh, Dame can you know hit from the half court and probably beyond mm-hmm. that if he wanted to. So um, I, what I do think, and I thought about it just now, uh, I think GP two he kind of gives me a uh, a Shannon Brown type of energy. Um, uh, and I, see, I, I know I spoke. I spoke. <laughs> I went back in the archives on that one, but for those, you don't have to be a Laker fan, but uh, for those who watched the Western Conference basketball, you know, years ago, you remember Shannon Brown being a part of that Lakers team with Kobe and uh, Lamar Odom, uh, who else, Paul Gasol, I believe as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And Shannon Brown wasn't exactly a, you know, go-to scorer, but he was a guy who could jump. He was a guy who, if he's filling the lanes on a fast break, you know, he's a lob threat. Um, great for back doors, just a high energy guy who, you know, he's not necessarily going to give you, you know, 15 points or maybe even 10 every night. Um, but he's going to kind of do his thing and kind of, you know, pick his spots where he can. And I think GP, uh, two, of course, has, uh, that type of energy where, you know, you're not probably going to get breakout games from him. Um, I think Dame is going to do the majority of the scoring as well as Ant. Um, and even Jeremy Grant, of course, how could I forget? Um, but I think he'll do exactly what they need, especially when it comes to, you know, those transition, uh, uh, fast break opportunities, you know, any type of uh, lob that may come out of a pick and roll situation. Um, I think he may be a threat uh, in those type of yeah. scenarios. Yeah, absolutely. And I have my, I just took some notes on GP2 here. Now it's having all caps. He's a transition igniter. He just really, really ignites the transition game. And it's not just because he's so disruptive. Like I said, led the league in steals for 36 minutes. I believe he was top three in deflections. He's just everywhere, both on and off the ball defensively. Um, but because he's but because he's getting those knocks and then also can get out and fill the lane and finish um, in a way that really most Portland guards can't. Um, you know, Anthony mm-hmm. Simons can maybe 
maybe finish as well as uh actually no i'm gonna take that back <laughs> anthony simons is not as good a finisher as gary payton right now and one of the reasons why i say that and why i took it back so quickly is because i also have in my notes that gary payton the second shot 81 percent at the rim last season best wow. in the league among guards oh my um, gosh you know and you, and you know you have to you have to factor in the necessary caveats you know everything we talked about with golden state uh gary, True. gary payton the second was playing in a lot of advantage situations four on three and short rolls mm-hmm. um, he was he be in the dunker spot, finishing off the pass from Draymond Green, stuff like that. So those those opportunities won't necessarily come as easily or as frequently um, with Portland as they as they did Golden State for GP two. But that you know that that doesn't take away from the fact that he's just an absolutely unreal finisher. One question about this for you, Justice. Oh boy, Do you worry at all about the size factor? here as i said gp2 is just 63 he's been a guard his entire life played more like a forward almost like a power forward honestly for golden state last season mm-hmm. and you know he, he rebounds like it too and as we just said he finishes like it um, but do, do you just worry about the size because of the blazers you know after after trading away cj they've brought in they've brought in another 63 guy the only reason i would say and this is the only thing that i could think of that really doesn't make me i guess at this point yeah, I don't really have main concerns uh, regarding his size. Is his vertical? Um, yep. For me, usually when a guy has a jumping ability like GP two GP uh, two does, that really helps. Like you mentioned, when it comes to rebounding, uh, when it comes to uh, being in transition, and with that percentage, I think you said eighty eighty one percent. Crazy. Yeah, that that's insane. That that, that that's something that you would uh you know you would assume a, a Tim Duncan or something like that or Will Chamberlain had around the rim. So uh, for him to be six three and that's his percentage down there, uh, I'm pretty confident that I think he'll be able to at least, if anything, uh, he can contribute that. Um, I mean, even if we did just compare him physically to a CJ McCollum or a Dame or even an Ant, uh, they're all around the same height, but. Obviously, their athleticism is very uh, different. You know, maybe yeah. uh, maybe a young Dame, a rookie uh, Damian Lillard uh, was doing a lot more uh, dunking in, in the lane. But uh, at, at this age, uh, a lot more layups, floaters, and, you know, uh, jump shots. And I think we can kind of lean on uh, Gary Payton II to be that guy that uh, he, he's going to slam it with authority. Uh, the ball's going to go in or he'll get to the free throw line either way. You know he'll have an opportunity to you know put two in the uh, basket. Yeah, just no athletic weaknesses for GP two. He really is. Yeah, of, no. He really is one of the best athletes in the league. Um, you know, from a from a explosiveness perspective, strength, speed, quickness. Um, you know, he's got such quick hands, a great timing as a shot blocker, great timing. You know, swiping at the dribble um, if he's guarding the ball or digging down from the elbow. Um, just really, really impressed with them, um, and, he's, and he's really, and as, and as you said, Justice, he will ignite. The, he will ignite the, uh, the, the Portland Trailblazers crowd in a way that few have. He's going to absolutely be a fan favorite here. And the other thing about his size that I wanted to mention just before we move on here is that you know we mentioned that GP is, GP two is six three. I mentioned how he's like a peerless athlete across the league. And yet you still might worry about his ability to hold up against, you know, star wings. And of course you do. Those guys are almost impossible for anyone in the NBA to guard. And we, and we saw that throughout the playoffs. Those guys were going off almost no matter who they were being guarded by. But Gary sure. Payton II did do a very, very, very good job um, in, the, in the NBA finals, both on Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, to the point that Steve Kerr even said,
said, once GP2 was healthy enough to come back in game two, as, as I believe when he came back, that that kind of changed the series a bit just because the Warriors were able to have two on-ball stoppers out there with Andrew Wiggins, um, you know, when it, whenever they wanted, as well as Draymond Green, of course. And, you know, we all know how Clay Thompson, um, how he kind of came along defensively in the finals as well. So Gary Payton the second, you know, he's not, uh, he's not, he's, he's not Andrew Wiggins size. He's not Mikhail Bridges. He's not mm-hmm. uh, OG Ananobi, obviously in terms of, in terms of their dimensions, but in terms of effectiveness, just guarding these, even the bigger wings, even a guy like Jason Tatum, um, I think he can do a damn good job. And, you know, it's probably the Blazers best defender of those big wings, uh, even more than Jeremy Grant, I would say. So that's something, something the Blazers can certainly look forward to and a hole in the roster that they needed filled for a really, really long time. True. And another comparison I just thought of just now, of course, we know uh, his his scoring ability as far as the shooting goes is probably a little bit less. But I even thought of a uh, a guard in the sense of a young Eric Bledsoe, Mm -hmm. uh, where they could be very physical, very athletic. Um, Obviously, Eric Bledsoe in his younger years was much more of a uh, scorer and most likely a better shooter as well. Um, But I just think of, you know, guards who are under that 6'5", 6'4", range, but uh, can play almost much bigger than what their height uh-huh. uh, is on paper. Um, so I think he'll be able to contribute that. Um, and like like I said, that physicality and that defense will definitely come in handy, especially with all the young athletic guards uh, in the West. I even thought about uh, Anthony Edwards um, yeah, in Minnesota. Uh-huh. Uh, what I, all I can think of is when Dame's out or say if Dame's not playing, um, they're going to need somebody that's going to be that kind of dog on defense that you know has that energy to keep up with all these other young guards in the league because – uh, there's so many, and especially in the Western Conference, um, he's got to, even John Wall on the Clippers now. I just realized that, um, you know, somebody's going to have to kind of cover all those bases. And we know, you know, Dame is, you know, he's kind of turned into that veteran now at this point. And uh, these younger guys will most likely have to pick up that slack uh, when they can. Well, yeah, I think GP2 will probably, you know, he's, as, as I said, he's versatile enough. He's probably guarding Paul George first and then Kawhi Leonard second when the uh, when the Blazers are playing the Clippers. But that kind of seeks us into what I wanted to talk about next. And that's just the Blazers' current rotation, where it stands as of July 7th. And the Blazers really having no more cap flexibility. And this roster really, it, it could be done. It could be done. They, Joe Cronin, again, may make some minor, 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 minor changes at the end. And you'll certainly be, you know, keeping the, keeping the phones working for potential potential trades, but here is what the Blazers' top seven looks like, at least to me right now. Let me know if you disagree with this, Justice. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, and this is not a not in terms of who's starting. I just kind of went by size and positional designation here. Here's what their top seven looks like to me. Damian Lillard, Anthony Simons, Josh Hart, Gary Payton II, Nasir Little, Justice Winslow, Jeremy Grant, and Yusuf Nurkic. And I say that, and of course, Justice, that is eight players. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Math is not what we do on this podcast, so no problem. <laughs> it's, it's funny because it's I wrote it down here, seven, seven. No, that's eight. Yeah. Um, but to me, that is the Blazers' top eight, and it's a pretty solid top eight. And then I would say Justice Winslow is likely that ninth guy. And then it's just a matter of who fills in from there because, uh, you know, the Blazers are going to need more depth than that. They're still lacking some size despite the fact that, you know, we've been talking about how Gary Payton plays so much bigger than his measurables. He really plays up in the lineup, all that. Um, I think the size concerns are, you know, something that's really going to bug Blazers fans if this is the way the roster stays. Um, but, you know, with that, with that top nine, I think it's pretty solid. And then you just wonder if any of these young guys can really force their way into the rotation and maybe supplant Justice Winslow or maybe take some of Nasir Little's minutes. And, of course, I'm, I'm most likely talking about Shaden Sharp here. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and who knows? The, the Blazers played their first summer league game in about an hour against the Detroit Pistons, maybe two hours, actually. I forget what time that starts. Um, but that is must-watch TV for Blazers fans, obviously. Um, so, yeah, what do we think of that? What do we think of that Blazers rotation right now? Yeah, I think you're right. I actually agree with uh, that top uh, seven or eight, give or take. Uh, I do think uh, Nasir Little is somewhere around uh, the edge or the rim of that top eight. Uh, I don't know how high I have him, um, but I do think he'll still be an integral part of the, especially the offense uh, going into uh, next season. They just need his athleticism. Right. You know, right. Like, like, I really think they do. The Blazers have been such an unathletic team for years. And now bringing in Gary Payton, the second Jeremy Grant, um, you know, Shaden Sharp, guy like that. You know, the Blazers could really still use that that additional dynamism that a guy like this here little provides athletically. True. I agree. And kind of like you said, to me, uh, the more athleticism, the better uh, for the Blazers, because we know uh, right now it's kind of a young man's league, uh, especially in the Western Conference. I mean, if you think about uh, some of the top teams that have been making the playoffs uh, with the Blazers not being included, of course, uh, these are all young guys, a lot of them under 30 uh, who are young stars on their team. So uh, with the Blazers, they're going to have to be able to compete uh, with these teams in the West, especially if they, you know, uh, want or have any chance to make the playoffs, uh, mm-hmm. you got you got to run up and down with these guys. So I, I'm, I'm, I, don't, I don't know how you feel about it, but I'm still big on C.J. Ellaby. Um, obviously, he's not a star, but in my opinion, last season, uh, I really liked his energy. Uh, it seemed like every time he came off the bench, uh, he was really big on contributing in any way he could, with whether that was a steal or a rebound or, uh, you know, just you got to have those guys on the floor that have good energy, uh, in my opinion, that are kind of willing to do anything out there, even if they're not the number one scorer or they're not going to be a huge threat, uh, especially we talked about earlier, just even being a transition threat uh, to mm-hmm. other teams. I feel like especially with Dane being out um, last season, fast breaks, uh, you know, they weren't as exciting as maybe they will be this season. <laughs> so uh, with more athleticism comes uh, more exciting fast breaks, you know, alley oops, and uh, guys really filling the lane. So uh, I agree with that top seven or eight there. And of course, you know, uh, with summer league coming up, we'll really be able to see. Okay, who's gonna contribute off the bench and kind of right. you know keep it going while Dame or you know Ants or you know kind of getting their rest um, when they're not on the floor. Now, as he said, we are not mathematicians, and he keeps saying that top seven or eight because I already made this mistake. But here's what I had, just for clarification for both okay. you and our listeners. Gotcha. The, top, the top seven does not include Justice Winslow. I have Justice Winslow as that eighth guy. I just made a little mistake in my notes here. What okay. I would think what I think would be best for the Blazers is if Winslow had that eighth spot taken by a guy like Shaden Sharp, by a guy like Trendon Watford, even Greg Brown the third. I think that's very, very unlikely. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose we'll see it. I suppose we'll see it summer league. But the Blazers could certainly use the extra length and athleticism that Greg Brown the Third provides. Uh, you know, another another guy with a lot of vertical pop. Um, he really actually had a couple games toward the end of last season where he got hot from three. That form still looks a little awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it would be pretty shocking to me if Greg Brown the Third forced his way into the rotation. But I do think. The Blazers would be at their best if that if those top eight or nine guys inclu- included a guy like again Shaden Sharp, Trenton Wofford, Greg Brown the third. I also have Keon Johnson here. He's probably not going to force his way into the rotation just because again the Blazers are pretty set at guard, and then and then even even some of their wings like Josh Hart and Shaden Sharp. Uh, or excuse me, Josh Hart, Shaden Sharp, Gary Payton, they aren't the 
biggest wings. They even classify as guards a little bit, even though they play more off the ball. Uh, so I do not see Keon Johnson forcing his way in there. But the Blazers clearly need someone to step up here, um, not just because you know they need as much depth and lineup flexibility as possible. You know, because we know the Blazers don't want to play Damian Lillard major minutes. You know, Yusuf Nurkic probably won't get above thirty minutes per game this season. Um, who knows what they're doing at backup center? Drew Eubanks is still on this roster. He will be back. Um, I, I imagine Jeremy Grant will play a lot of minutes at backup five, just like he did with the Oklahoma City Thunder. That's where Watford could really, really come in handy. It's kind of a hybrid four-five with Jeremy Grant if Trenton Watford, uh, you know, was able to both extend his shooting range um, enough to the point where he has to be guarded, and then you know he even showed some switchability on defense last season. So. Um, the Blazers, again, their rotation is taking shape here. I think p- maybe people are a little right to be somewhat underwhelmed by it, especially, uh, you know, given given the fireworks of that Jeremy Grant trade, which just came out of nowhere for that 2025 first-round pick and that trade exception. I think there were some really, really high expectations for what the Blazers' rotation could look like. But I think this is a pretty this is a pretty good top seven. And, again, if the Blazers get one of those young guys, Trenton Watford, Shaden Sharp, even perhaps Greg Brown the third to force their way into the rotation, then I think they'll be set and uh, can really have something to look forward to for not just next season, but the future as well. Yeah, I kind of like what you said. Uh, I don't think the pun was intended, of course, which is coming off the 4th of July uh, holiday, but uh, with the fireworks. Yeah, the, there were a lot of fireworks around uh, Jeremy Grant uh, joining the Blazers. And I think right now it's kind of like that post-holiday uh, feeling like after Christmas where it's kind of just like, all right, so what's next? Or, you know, what do we do now? So uh, I don't want uh, uh, Rip City and Blazers fans to be in denial, but that's kind of where we're at now. It's kind of like, all right, so we got our guy. Uh, we got a couple rookies and, you know, we don't have a whole lot of dice to play with right now. No. Um, and it's really more about just kind of developing the young guys that will be playing during summer league and really just roll into preseason with a healthy Dame and a healthy everybody else. Um, but I think folks are still kind of looking around like, OK, is there something else? Is And really, in reality, you know, I don't think Kevin Durant is going to end up in Portland. No. Um, Kyrie definitely is not. Yeah, no, it's it's that's not happening. Yeah. Um, and so I think we all kind of need to just settle in and be like, all right, this is who we got. Let's work with it. And like you said, the hopes are that there will be two or three or more um, of these young guys that are playing in summer league and will most likely be on the bench um, that will kind of, you know, shine a little bit, a little brighter than we expected them to. And that would just kind of be the cherry on top because we already have Jeremy Grant. Um, but like you said, if, uh, if our if our draft uh, pick in Shaden Sharp seems to develop quicker than we thought he would or he just becomes – you know, that guy that we're hoping he will be, um, then that'll just help the Blazers even more. And that's one thing that you mentioned also as well, is that uh, the Blazers are a guard-heavy team. Yeah. Um, and not guard-heavy like how maybe the Warriors are, where it's Steph, Clay, Jordan Poole. Uh, we're more less athletic <laughs> in our guard department. So um, once again, calling back to uh, GP2, I think, the more athleticism that we see out of these young guys, the better it will be for not only the starting lineup, but the rotation in general, um, because we can't play slow basketball uh, this next season. It just won't work. Now, Justice, Summer League starts tonight. As we mentioned, which Blazer are you most excited to be watching? I think I know the answer, but uh, I'm just going to let you say it. Then we can get into talking about him a little bit. 
Absolutely. Yeah. No, Shaden Sharp, uh, for sure. Uh, he, he's the one that I think everybody uh, that kind of saw his name uh, be picked in the draft. And uh, there seemed to be a lot of, of comments about, you know, how no one's seen him play. And he played a uh, limited amount of time in college. I think everybody that is, he's kind of like the big question mark right now. Uh, we're just kind of wondering, OK, is he really that good? And if he is that good, is he going to show us? Um, so I think tonight's summer league game will be a great opportunity for him uh, to not only show his skills, uh, but we'll kind of be able to get a sneak sneak peek or a preview at what he may be able to offer uh, going into next season as well. He's really the league's preeminent mystery man right now. I mean, this guy, this guy, I get sharp, a child, really, to be honest. He's <laughs> Very nine, young. Nine, nine, 19 years old. I feel comfortable saying that, that he's a kid. I'm I'm an adult. He's <laughs> right, yeah, same here. <laughs> Very one, young. Yeah, that's one of the things that makes the Blazers so excited about Shaden Sharp and why fans should be so excited about him is he's just so young. He hasn't played mm-hmm. a real game in a full year, and that, and, and that last official game came against high school competition on the Nike EYBL circuit. It's just some things I'm really looking forward to seeing tonight that I'll really be honing in on is how comfortable does he look with the ball when he's guarded by pressure that handle he's he's got a creative handle but it's not especially tight how engaged is he off the ball defensively what does he do when he doesn't have the ball on offense then this is a really important one especially against summer league competition Shaden Sharp has been billed as a you know top two percent athlete um, maybe he's maybe he's not Anthony Edwards maybe he's not John Morant but he is just below those guys in terms of overall explosiveness and athleticism does that pop the way it really should against summer league competition that's something I'm really really looking forward to watching uh, tonight especially um, against a guy like Jaden Ivy for the Pistons who is an absolutely electric athlete broadly considered the best perimeter athlete in this class and then the Pistons also have Jalen Duran another very very explosive uh, big man who we've discussed at length on this podcast as well when he was a draft candidate for the Blazers. So just some things I'm looking forward to watching from Shaden there. I do think we need to temper our expectations. Absolutely. Um, you know, mine aren't high, to be clear, for for Shaden Sharp in Summer League. He hasn't played in a full year, like I said, and it was against far lesser competition. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I would not be surprised at all if he has a couple three for 12 nights or you know three for 13 and then maybe he has a couple games where he goes for 20 points on on good efficiency and you know show some nascent pick and roll craft um and then and then just maybe maybe final thing to discuss here a final thing to look for with sharp is what does that motor look like you know like that that, that was questioned during the pre-draft process i took umbrage with people questioning uh questioning sharp's motor questioning his love for the game just because we don't know we, mm-hmm. we, don't, we don't know at this point. The last the last game he played was against high school competition. Um, it is unfair to expect him to play a hundred percent full tilt. Um, you know, in a in a second on a second game of the day at you know four o'clock at some gym in Atlanta. Um, you know, like I true. I would imagine his motor will run a little hotter um, under the NBA microscope, but tonight we'll see. And um, it's it's just really really exciting. Can't wait for tip off of that game. Yeah, and it's interesting because uh, at least. In my recent memory, I can't think of the last time that uh, the Blazers had somebody in summer league that we were, you know, really looking forward to seeing, or that we were just kind of like, all right, uh, hopefully he'll show us what he's got because this is what we're waiting on. Um, but I'm hoping that Shaden Sharp will turn out to be, you know, one of those summer league guys that 
you know, just kind of blows up out of nowhere. I, obviously, I know that's, you know, kind of reaching for the stars there. But I think of uh, even last, I believe, last summer, it was Bones Highland uh, yeah. uh, in Denver, whose his name kind of came about out of nowhere. And then throughout the whole season, he just kind of showed you exactly how we played in summer league, just very comfortable and, you know, the lights weren't too bright. So I would love to see uh, Shaden Sharp do something like that. So where now maybe even uh, the Blazers have to reconsider uh, how they're going to have him in the rotation because they may need to have him uh, a little bit higher coming off the bench if he turns out to you know be that uh, clutch of a player and uh, that athletic. Uh, his game, at least from his, his high school highlights, he seems to be very comfortable and uh, you know not lazy on the court, but just you know he seems like a shyer guy, a little bit quieter, um, which is not a bad thing, but it just shows that he kind of lets his game speak. So yeah. um, I'm hoping we'll see that in summer league as well. You were talking about his his on court demeanor, and I mean, of course, that's still developing. Again, he's a nineteen year old kid, um, but I, you were talking about it, and, and I was and I was thinking about these highlight videos of Sharp. I've watched a couple full games as well, and he kind of has an on. And I'm not comparing him to this guy, obviously. Kind of has an on court demeanor similar to Tracy McGrady. If that uh, makes sense, do you, do, you, do you see that at all? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I, th- I thought you were going to say KD, uh, but <laughs> in my mind, I realized in KD's uh, more veteran years now, he's a lot more talkative and uh, you know has a little bit more jump to say on the court. But in in his younger years, was very quiet or seemed to be at least. I um, I'll, I'll never forget. It. I remember watching Kevin Durant in his lone season at Texas. Uh, I believe it was 2006, 2007. Um, you know, it was one of the best college seasons of all time. I believe he was the consensus national player of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, fact check me if I'm wrong, of course, not that it matters. Um, but there was this moment in a big game where he, I just remember it was like a dead ball or something. And Texas had this had this big white big man named Connor Ashley. And I don't know if Ashley had made a mistake or something, but KD at one point is like yelling at Ashley and like, gives him a little like kind of like an open closed fist i'm making it with my hand here you can't see and he just pops him in the back of the head like come on man and like that type of thing so for me that's when i knew kd was a killer and i do know i do know what you mean uh i'd I'd say he's mellowed out in a sense except in the absolute biggest moments just because right it's just because kevin durant knows who he is he is kevin durant he doesn't need to necessarily prove anything he's already done it all um but man that always stuck that always stuck out to me about kd but then just getting back to sharp um you know that that type of effortless effortlessness that he has that that can't be taught can it be a problem if uh if if a, if a guy with that type of talent a guy who plays at his a guy who plays at his own speed a guy who knows he's that good um can it be a problem if he's not super engaged all the time absolutely but at this point we have no reason to think that he's not going to be super engaged um and tonight's uh you know going to be our first glimpse at him another player i'm really excited to watch in the summer league this season is trendon wofford and what i'm most looking forward to catching is if there's been any development with his jumper i really do think that is the biggest swing skill for Trendon Watford. He shot 23.7% on just 38 attempts as a rookie. But once the Blazers really, really started tanking, um, just full into tank mode after the All-Star break, he took 27 threes in 15 games and shot just below 30% and had a couple makes that looked pretty good. But I just... I just really think the key to opening up Trendon Watford's game long term, especially if he's not going to be able to play the five, um, and you know he has, he has long arms, but he's just six eight. He's not super explosive off the floor. He didn't show much uh, 
you know, much rim protection ability last season. He is going to have to play the four sometimes. And the only way that's going to be super, super viable is if he is a an, an at least threatening three-point shooter, if he has to be guarded out to the line. And I do think that that is something he can absolutely do. He shot 75.5% at the free throw line last season. He's got really, really good touch from floater range. We all know he's a creative ball handler, canny passer. He, he projects as the type of guy who will eventually be able to shoot. To me, it's just a matter of when and, uh, you know, a matter of how proficient he is. Um, but, man, if, uh, you know, we, we, we were talking earlier about the Blazers rotation. If one of those young guys can break into it, how beneficial it would be. And to me, Trendon Watford could be that guy if he becomes a, let's say, 34% three-point shooter this season on, you know, four attempts per 36 minutes or something. If he just makes defenses think about guarding him, that will just really, really open up the game for not just the Blazers, but Watford as well. Yep, I definitely agree with that. I'm hoping to see some improvement on his end. I was never big on Watford. Um, I'm almost thinking that uh, he might be one of the players that if for some reason uh, we are just absolutely amazed with Shaden Sharp in Summer League and he just you know shows uh, how much his game has grown leaps and bounds between college, uh, high school and now, uh, to me, Watford is the guy that I could see him passing over if he does show out like that in Summer League. But um, you know, who knows? Hopefully Watford will improve because, like I said, if you can't shoot, uh, that's the, kind of the main part of basketball. So, <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah, especially at his size, uh, right. you need to be able to put the ball in the basket. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's, you know, one thing that if you're not doing that similar to a, a, a Gary Payton, the second situation, you got to be contributing somewhere else. Um, so I'm hoping that we'll see some improvement during the summer league. Uh, but I mean, I'm really hoping, and this may not happen, I'm just hoping that Shaden Sharp just shows how great of a player he is and that he even looks better than the um, you know, second-year guys as a rookie. Um, I think that would really show how great of a pick he is and kind of prove some of the haters and doubters wrong because there's a lot of people out there you know, saying, hey, we haven't seen this guy play in college. He only played, you know, we don't even know what he can do. And I'm hoping in Summer League, which is tonight, uh, he shows exactly what he can do and you know, what he did in high school. It wouldn't shock me based on the pedigree, right? He was yeah. the, he was the number one the number one prospect prospect in his recruiting class after last summer before reclassifying. I like Trendon Watford. I think was just a top forty guy when undrafted after two years at LSU. So theoretically, Shaden Sharp should show out better than a guy like Trendon Watford. Even Greg Brown does. Greg Brown was a top ten consensus recruit in his class and then had a pretty underwhelming season at Texas and I think was the forty first, forty second, forty third pick um, last year in the draft. So, you know, based on his pedigree alone, Shaden Sharp should absolutely shine for the Blazers, and we will see if he's going to be able to do it. Uh, just real quick, you said you, what's so interesting about talking with you, Justice, and why I love <laughs> it so much is that I really like Trendon Watford, and you just said you're not necessarily the biggest Trendon Watford fan, and earlier you said, yeah, I really like C.J. Ellaby, and I was thinking to myself, ooh, I am not the biggest C.J. <laughs> fan. Like, I am not even sure he's an NBA player, especially with Gary Payton II on the roster, who's oh, man. really just kind of like like an apex version of what C.J. Ellaby could like somewhat realistically be you know if it just works if everything if everything worked out perfectly in cj Ellaby's development i think he might be a player like gary payton the second obviously not that athletic um but man just uh it's super interesting stuff there and uh you know why i like talking basketball 
Well, folks, for those who are uh, at home or if you're uh, uh, on your commute or wherever you are listening to us, I just want it to be known and just to double down that uh, he did say he loves speaking with me. I just want to put that out there that (laughs) Jack Winter said he loves uh, conversating and conversing with me uh, about basketball, which is great because, of course, I return the sentiment. Uh, I love talking sports and basketball with anybody, but, of course, uh, my guy Jack Winter. And, yes, we do disagree Every once in a while. So I don't know why. For some reason, I'm big on CJ Ellaby. You're not. You know, you're big on uh, on Trenton Watford. I'm not. So I guess we'll just kind of see how that plays out. But, uh, you know, like I said, uh, the Blazers got a young core right now. And Dame is kind of the uh, the captain of the ship. Uh, I don't know if you want to get into uh, the issues with ownership that uh, are not exactly uh, the best, uh, not exactly the best things to be happening as we're you know trying to improve uh, yeah, in the off season. Do, but do you want to do you want to talk about it real quick? I mean, yeah, we can cover it real quick. Uh, you know, for the for the folks who uh, have been you know under a rock or whatnot, uh, Dame seems to be very vocal. Uh, not only on his social media, but just in general um, about the, uh, I guess, what, disagreements or the things that he'd like to see change uh, with not only the front office, but with, I guess, what, with what they're trying to do with the roster. And uh, uh, Paul Allen, who passed away, his sister is now the, I think it's chairwoman yeah. uh, of the Blazers and, of course, the uh, uh, Seattle Seahawks of the NFL. And she won't take a meeting uh, with Dame. Uh, from, from the reports I'm seeing, Dame uh, tried to reach out and set up a meeting just to kind of, I guess, get a temperature gauge and kind of have a conversation with her. Uh, and she kind of passed them off to <laughs> somebody in the office. I don't know who. But... Yeah, the, the vice chair, Bert Cold, um, the vice chair of Vulcan Inc., who's, who oversees uh, the uh, ownership of the Trailblazers and Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, really disappointing report today from the New York Post. Um, you know, there were some allegations made against Jody Allen in that story about how uh, you know she'd smuggled ivory from Africa back to the U.S. and some, oh other, and some other animal bones from Antarctica. Typical gross billionaire type stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah. then not answering Damian Lillard's phone calls or emails to the point where then he's just sent off to a little you know conciliar, if you will. Um, you not know, good. That does not rub anyone the right way. And of course, this uh, this comes in the context of. The story was written from the perspective of a team insider, an anonymous team insider, who wants Jody Allen to sell the Blazers. And of course, uh, she came out and announced last week after reports had surfaced that Phil Knight and Alan Smolniski made a $2 billion bid to buy the team. She came out last week um, and said that the Blazers and Seahawks are not for sale. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that they are not in discussions about selling either team and that the process to sell both teams, which is going to happen um, as it stipulates in the late Paul Allen's trust, is that they have to be sold at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, she was saying that it would take t- could, could take 10 to 20 years. Now, of course, it could just all be posturing. She could be trying to drive a, you know, drive a better offer from uh, Knight and Smolniski and whoever else is interested in the team. But uh, regardless, not great when your owner is not intentional not taking the calls and emails of your franchise player, especially after your franchise player just a year ago was publicly waffling about being here. Now, it seems like Damian Lillard is going to sign a two-year, $107 million extension with the Blazers um, pretty soon. He seems fully recommitted to Portland. It doesn't seem like he will be going anywhere until he and the front office agree that he that he should be elsewhere. But uh 
Yeah, let's just say the Blazers need to get out of Jody Allen's hands and into someone else's, uh, no matter no matter who that is. So I'm just gonna just gonna wash our hands. You can, you can hear me. Sure. Doing, wash our hands of that. And um, actually, real quick, I wanted to mention just something real quick about Greg Brown. It would really, really be great if Greg Brown the third um, showed some development in this summer league game. I mentioned that you know I'm not expecting him to break into the rotation at all, but just if he looked comfortable out there, if he was if he was you know, making quick decisions, but quick, confident, controlled decisions is what we want from Greg Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's just he's just so he was just so excited to be out there last season. Uh, you know, at, at times looked kind of like a deer in the headlights a little bit. <laughs> and they, and again, no no disrespect, no no disrespect. He plays really hard. Um, great athlete. He's actually a, he has a really good sense as a cutter i think he's got uh some natural ability as a passer as well but if greg brown could just show some growth um just that he's on the trajectory toward being a viable nba player that would be something i would love to see but before we get out of here justice you want to discuss the rudy gobert trade real quick (laughs) yes uh we could discuss it a a little bit if you like Uh, i'll give my take i think uh, this makes Minnesota a monster now. Uh, I think that, I, it sounds like you're, you're not agreeing with me. No, 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 not necessarily. Oh, okay, all right. Well, I think uh, they're a monster now because you essentially have the Twin Towers. Uh, I mean, you have two guys who are obviously Woody Gobert is over seven feet. I don't know if Cat uh, Carl Anthony Towns is over seven feet. Uh, he might be 6'11-ish, maybe something like that. Yeah, Either way. 7 feet, yeah. Right, exactly. Tall enough. Um, so in my opinion, when you have two guys like that, uh, who are obviously all stars and maybe one, maybe a future hall of famer, uh, that's going to pose some issues, especially, uh, when they play defense, uh, against a lot of these teams in the West, I think they're going to be able to fare much better against, uh, teams like the Nuggets with the Joker, um, because you have two guys with this much length who are going to pose such a presence down in the post. And then of course, with a guy like Carl Anthony Towns, who can step back and shoot an open three and is not afraid to you know shoot from the elbow and uh, kind of operate in the paint? I mean, I mean, what more can you ask for? And then of course uh, we've got our guy uh, out of Georgia, uh, who's the guard? Uh, uh, slipping my mind right now. We just spoke about him. Uh, you're, talking about, you're talking about Anthony Edwards. Yes, and oh my gosh, him! You pair him with these two, you know, human giants. I mean, <laughs> what what could go wrong? Essentially, that's what I think in my mind. But I know you, you're probably going to have some. Uh, a different opinion here. Well, something that could go wrong is the spacing offensively. Uh, that's not going to bother you with Carl Anthony Towns at the four. He's one of the best big man shooters of all time. If it's not him, it's Dirk Nowitzki. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's no problem. He certainly stretches the floor like a like any other, better than any other power forward in the league would. But what you worry about is that Rudy Gobert has no stretch whatsoever. Um, you know, will not be finishing beyond eight feet. Um, you know, he'll be standing in the dunker spot when D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards are running pick and rolls with Cat. Um, he's not going to be spaced out to the corner. So that's going to be a little issue for, uh, you know, Anthony Edwards attacking the paint. That paint just won't be nearly as open um, sure. as it was last season. Um, though Jared Vanderbilt did play the four um, for the for the T-Wolves last season. And he, you know, kind of operates offensively in some of the same same spaces as Gobert. Um, and to be clear, I, you know, I like this trade uh, for the Wolves. It definitely, definitely makes them better. I would not be surprised if they're a top four seed in the West, a loaded West. Um, yeah. Depending on, depending on injuries and all the weaknesses that were exploited by the Memphis Grizzlies in that awesome first round series, they mostly came in the paint. Um, Carl Anthony Towns had to 
blitz jaw morant in pick and roll and you know when the timberwolves weren't switching it and jaw just got around carl anthony towns whenever he wanted and there was and there was no shot blocking behind him the wolves i'm sure will still play that similarly aggressive style defensively with carl anthony towns when he's involved in ball screens but now rudy gobert the best shot blocker rim protector of his generation will be behind him and rudy's also an awesome awesome rebounder and that's a that's another area where the grizzlies just dominated the timberwolves um in that really awesome first round series, which we've uh, discussed at length. So it certainly shores up a lot of their weaknesses. Um, but man, they paid a huge price uh, for future first round picks, plus each of their each of their first round picks in the last two drafts, guard Leandro Bomaro and center Walker Kessler, plus Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, and the aforementioned Vanderbilt. That is an absolute haul. And, yes. I, think, and I think one of the reasons why Kevin Durant um, is, you know, is still with the Brooklyn Nets, despite the fact that he made his trade request, I think it was now just about a week ago. Yeah. The fact that what price that's going to be that much bigger than this price that uh, the Timberwolves p- paid for Rudy Gobert, could he fetch? Like, realistically, is it going to be, if, if Rudy Gobert just went for four first-round picks and, you know, multiple player playable players what's it going to take to get kevin durant uh the timberwolves I, I really just think they overpaid here and something i really would have rather them done is trade for miles turner like why not you know mm. um, could have come for a much cheaper price um both in terms of the trade package and then in uh what the timberwolves will would have would have been able to sign him for. He's extension eligible, I believe. He'll probably just get around $20 million a year rather than the 33 up and, and, and above that Rudy Gobert is locked into for the next three or four seasons. Um, and then I think he's a much better offensive fit as well just because he can actually stretch the floor. Of course, he's not the defender that Rudy Gobert is, but he's still a great shot blocker, one of the best pure shot blockers there is in the league. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, they'd, they'd still have that aforementioned size, um, you know, that it's really becoming more in vogue in the league now with, uh, you know, we saw the Celtics do it with Al Horford and Robert Williams. We saw that the Cavaliers are committing that way with Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. Um, so I don't hate uh, the fact that the Timberwolves have just acknowledged that they're not going to play championship level defense if Carl Anthony Towns is their main center. Um, I think if, if that's what you think, I think you need to go out and address it. I just don't know if this was the best way to do it, especially because Anthony Edwards, what, is just 21, 22? He's a long, Very young. He's a long way from his peak. And by the time he reaches his peak, Rudy Gobert will either be playing elsewhere or he'll be 35, 36 years old, 36, 37 years old. Um, So it kind of seems like the Timberwolves prioritized Carl Anthony Towns' peak, maximizing Carl Anthony Towns' peak over Anthony Edwards. I get why they had to do it just because they signed Cat to a massive Supermax extension. Um, You know, it's, it's, it's worth a try, I guess, but man, they, uh, they just gave up so much. And especially when a, uh, you know, a similar, a, a similar trade um, could have been made for a guy like Miles Turner, who would further open up the offense while keeping you more flexible in case this doesn't work, in case Carl Towns can't function this way next to another big man. Um, you know, I just I just would have preferred that route. But man, is it going to be fun watching the Timberwolves play? Um, oh man, really, really looking forward, <laughs> really, really looking forward to the battles uh, across the Western Conference next season. Just just can't wait. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. The entire league is going to be amazing to watch going into next season, but especially focused here in the Western Conference. Uh, all I can say is the Blazers, uh, they got to get it together now during the summer and yeah, the offseason. Yeah, they do. They do. Um, that's, a, that's another team that has definitely usurped them in the preseason Western Conference pecking order. Maybe if you were a partisan Blazers fan, you could have talked yourself into them being better than the Wolves next season before they got Rudy Gobert, but not now. Nope. That team, that team is going to win an F-ton of, <laughs> of, of, of regular season games. I still have some questions about the playoffs. Um, sure. Of course, just because it's hard to play two seven-footers in the playoffs, uh, the smaller the game gets. Um, you know, we've seen what happened with Rudy Gobert in the past with the Utah Jazz um, and him is kind of being exploited. Uh, you know, there are so many layers to that and so much nuance, nuance to it. We don't need to get into it. Uh, too much, though I do think it was kind of unfair, the criticism he received. I think the Jazz's defensive shortcomings were more about his teammates than Rudy Gobert. Um, but, you know, it's uh, it just it's just going to be an absolute battle in the West next season. And the Blazers, you know, they like, like, like we said, they need some young guys to pop. They really do if they're going to compete, uh, compete toward the toward the upper half of that Western Conference, I think, rather than uh, just compete down towards the you know, down towards the play in spot, if you will. No kidding. I absolutely agree. All right. I think that is going to be it for us this week. Justice, where can people follow you and your work? Yes, you can find me on social media at Justice Rogers, and it's spelled the way it sounds. That's at J U S. T-U-S Rogers, R-O-G-E-R-S TV. That's at Justice Rogers TV at the end. Last thing I want to say, Blazers, you got to keep Dame happy. Jody Allen, <laughs> talk with Dame. You got to keep him happy. If Dame's not happy, there's problems. You know you're listening, Jody. Pick up the phone. Pick yes, the pick phone or email him back or something. But this guy is your Kobe. You got to keep him happy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you can follow all my work at Armstrong Winter on Twitter and then my NBA writing about the Blazers and other teams at Clutch Points. And we would love it as well if you could leave us a review on whatever podcast player you are listening to us in right now. Justice and I will be back next week. Justice, thanks for coming on as always, man. As always, it's a pleasure. My good friend, Jack Winter, thank you so much. Yes, sir. Talk to you next week. All right.